Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Okay, does this sound like you? Do you absolutely dread going out and mustering up that energy to socialize, even though you know darn well that it would be a very good way to meet the opposite sex. Or even you might just find it exhausting to make small talk on dates or if you're at a party and really you would just rather curl up to a good movie by yourself. And so if that is you, you also probably consider yourself inherently shy, which makes it really difficult. And I know it is not easy to overcome shyness, but let me tell you, and this is what we're going to talk about today, you can overcome it. And I've seen this with my clients, even within myself, when I was young, getting over some of those fears. And there are effective ways of getting over. But here's the interesting thing about shyness. I just want to talk about it for a second. Because a lot of people think that they're born with it. But research and psychological studies show that the principal reason you cannot be born with shyness is this. So it is not something you're born with. There are three major features of shyness. Self-consciousness, negative self-evaluation, and negative self-preoccupation. So think about it. All of those things are things that evolve over time and have to do with your sense of self. And think about it. Your sense of self and I know this as a therapist, does not develop until approximately 18 months of age. So here's what's exciting to me and the good news about that is that if you know that you're, you know, not born with it and it's something that you've learned over time, either through experience, your ascribed roles growing up, it could be anything, you can overcome it. And you know that statement, like, act as if and you will become, that is something that is like a mantra that I teach my clients. All right, not, not many of you know this, but I have a little confession. So when I was younger, actually, I was a big-time theater geek, and I was an improver. Yeah, so I went to Second City when I was living in Chicago, and I loved it. But what was really profound for me is what improv did for people. So there were all kinds of people in my improv class. I mean, not just people who were wanting to be, you know, into theater, but people who wanted to better themselves in public speaking and, you know, getting over shyness and all these kinds of, you know, walks of life, if you will. And what I found, and that was so profound for me, is that when people were in a role, they were able to come out of their shell and literally give themselves permission to be something that was otherwise really, really hard for them to do in their everyday life. So, I mean, I would see these shy gals become loudmouths and these sad people become really, really happy and low confident guy would become this powerhouse because when they were put in the role, we would do all these like theater games. I mean, the best way to describe improv is, if you know, like that show, whose line is it anyway? That's kind of what we did, right? And when people were in the role, they got over 
for their fear of being vulnerable and express themselves and, you know, using like confident body language and, you know, just they would have to project their voice and giving hugs and actually touching people when they were maybe, you know, in real life, really scared to be close to a body. So then when I became a therapist, I actually incorporated all this stuff. So I did something called drama therapy. It was really powerful. So I incorporated that and I still use those techniques today with my clients. So that's probably why I'm the biggest ham and dork when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to like having people come in and I'll do role playing and of course costume design, right? You all know that I dress people and body language and those things are really really powerful. So you know, there was this one woman, just to give you an example that I worked with recently that was uberly, uberly shy. She was like uh, painful, like just her voice was so meek and so quiet. And the way she dressed, she was completely hiding this gorgeous figure. And when I went into the dressing room and I saw this like rock and body, I was like, girl, what are you doing? You are hiding in so many ways. You're hiding in your clothes. You're hiding in your voice. What is going on? And I even have it on video somewhere. I should show it to all to you. And you can see her on my website, the before and after. It was profound. And she had this huge breakthrough and she started crying. And she said that she was never allowed to have a voice growing up. And so when I put the costume on her with like hot leather pants and a tight skirt, and you should see, she became this like sexy vixen and she really embodied it in her life. And yes, fast forward, she landed herself a boyfriend. So you see, I feel like life is a stage and you can get over your shyness to attract love, to attract anything you want. And that's why I am bringing a really special guy on the show today to talk about being seen and heard. I can't, I can't think of a better guy to talk about this. He is a multiple time TEDx, Mo Mondays, and PMX speaker. He is also the host of the top-rated radio show. It's called Conversations with Passions. Awesome. You have to check it out. He's the founder of a speaking program that I just became involved in. I'm super excited. And he's been featured all over the place on TV, CBS, CTV, NBC, ABC, all the BCs, and is a Forbes coach council member. I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds impressive. And he's also interviewed over 4,000 of the world's top leaders. And now I am interviewing him. We're kind of putting him in the hot seat. Welcome, Corey Poirier. Hello, Kim. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited. Oh my God, I'm totally excited. And I'm not too intimidated that you've interviewed all these people now interviewing you. <laughs> but you know what? I We met at, where did we meet? At the Elite Man Conference in Boston, right? Originally? That's absolutely correct. And I remember being like super impressed. We both were speaking to a bunch of men and helping them in different aspects and all of that. So it's, it's fun to reconnect with you. Absolutely. I'm really excited to be here. And yeah, that was a, a really cool conference and, and certainly unique conference. So it's, it's neat to see that I've actually connected with and stayed in contact with quite a few people from that conference. So obviously that conference made a big impact on people's lives. 
I know. I know. Well, and you have such an impressive background, but you know what wasn't in your bio that I'm like super interested in? Because I, I heard a little bit on your website about your story because I didn't, I didn't realize like, you know, just growing up and you had to overcome some shyness too, I think. So I'm just so curious, like how you overcame it. You want to tell everybody a little about that? Yeah, absolutely. So my backstory, I guess probably the parts that, for me at least, I think sort of helped craft who I am today, but also uh, sort of define who I was and, and also what is possible, regardless of where you start at, is that I was raised by a single mother, grew up in a small town. Love and I always get the raised by a single mother part because I recognize how many life lessons I learned from my mother and also how big of an impact she had in my life. And I think it's important for me to, I guess we'll say, at the very least, um, acknowledge that. And so I, I grew up in a small little town where it's kind of one of those things like your word was your oath. My grandfather always yeah. said, like, say yes to everything and figure out how to do it later. Um, <laughs> but I will say Kim created its own challenges because I started to learn when I started interviewing the highest of achievers that most of them said no to almost everything and yes to the few mm. things that moved the needle. And so it's hard when you grow up being told to say yes to everything to switch that. Uh, but so small town, um, farming, I'm going to say farming, fishery type town. And I went through high school. I, I'm going to say I struggled at best, you know, at worst, mm -hmm. I uh, barely graduated. So my last, um, one of my courses that I needed, I got. And so it was interesting because it was the teacher's way of letting me know I didn't technically pass his course, but he gave me the 1% to at least push me on to the next, well, push me over the, the edge to graduate, but I needed his course to graduate. And if he hadn't given me that 1%, I wouldn't have graduated high school. So I can truly say I barely graduated high school. Wow. And then another thing a lot of people don't know is I didn't read my first book until I was 27 years of age, which is kind what? of- What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> for, oh my gosh. Yeah. For somebody who's out there teaching on yeah. a regular basis to not have read a book until- uh, you know, that late in life is very rare too. So, and that book, by the way, was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it changed my life in so many ways. And then to yeah. circle back to what you had said, this is the last sort of component of that, is I battled uh, generalized anxiety for the first four years of my corporate life. And why that's significant is because it also played a part of me not being able to comfortably speak in front of an audience. So much like not reading that book until I was in my mid-20s, I actually never got on a stage until in my mid twenties. And at that point I'd only spoken in public maybe three times. And two of those times, I don't remember a word of what I said and was covered in sweat. And, and the third time I almost passed out. So that gives you, I guess, sort of a, a well-rounded view of my background to tell you that I certainly wasn't a person that was comfortable being on a stage or maybe even by a lot of people's uh, definition, ready to be on a stage or born to be on a stage. That is fascinating. Wow. Well, and you know what's so great about this too is because I and I work with a lot of people of all ages and you know, like I'll talk to somebody who is in or they feel inherently shy or have anxiety like you who are in their like 30s, 40s, 50s, and they feel like it's too late. They're like, Well, I've been like this my whole life, so you know, why even bother trying to change? And what's so inspiring about your story is that 
you know, you're living proof that it can happen at any age, any time, anywhere. And it's really like how you kind of get over yourself and get past some of that. Right. So no, that's, that is amazing. I had no clue about some of that stuff. That's really cool. Well, so how did you get over it? Like what were some, you know, things that you did for yourself? So, you know, really interesting, Kim, how I did that, um, well, first of all, a big part of it was getting outside my comfort zone, clearly, because my comfort zone was pretty small when I started. Uh, what I will add into as well, because I don't want to jump off without mentioning that, when you mentioned about people struggling and thinking they can't make that shift at an yeah. old age, you know, when I, I used to think that too, and, and what happened was, so this is part of how I did it, I started reading stories of people who had achieved greatness or took steps towards greatness in their 50s, 60s and beyond. Mm. And it started making me realize that it wasn't too late for me. So as an example, uh, Louise Hay, who started Hayos Publishing in her 60s, or Jack Canfield, who launched the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, roughly 50 years of age. Colonel Sanders, as we all know that story, started KFC at 65. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Um, George Foreman won the heavyweight boxing championship at, I think it was 49 going on 50. Everybody said it was impossible. So I started reading inspirational stories by people like that. So that gave me the, I guess, the extra little bump to at least take some steps in the right direction. But what I did personally was I literally asked myself, so I said, I did this almost like a, I'm going to call it a visual exercise. I mm -hmm. actually drew a circle on a piece of paper and I said, okay, what's inside my comfort zone and what's outside my comfort zone? And so I figured out that, first of all, speaking was well outside my comfort zone. Uh, and there were a lot of things well outside my comfort zone that probably would shock people. Uh, give you a really weird random example, and somebody's going to listen to this and say, what? That, that's not even possible. But <laughs> I was actually nervous of, or outside my comfort zone, was picking up the phone and ordering food. What? I had, I had some sort of weird phobia about even just calling up and ordering a pizza. So like I get my mother or girlfriend at the time or whoever it might be. To, this is, I'm going back to like when I was, and, and you know, so I say going back to, I mean, in my you know late teens, like 16, 17, 18, I still had it. So it was, right. it, so that's, we, I know that's so random. Wait, uh, no, wait, wait, but I want to know more about that. So do you remember what it was about that, that was anxiety provoking for you? Like what was going on in your head about it? I, what I feel about, you know, if I go back and try to visualize what was sort of holding me back from that, I believe it was almost, it sounds weird, but as a comparison, but it's the same thing that holds people back from, let's say, reaching out on a sales call to the CEO of a company. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to be put on the spot. I don't want, like, I don't know why, on, you know, a pizza order, mm -hmm. when I'm, I'm the one that's paying the money and ordering food, I don't know why that did it, but that was what I felt like, like almost like um, I'm going to be on the spot. So it was almost like, um, uh, like an mm -hmm. awkwardness of they're going to see me mess up when I'm ordering or something. Like it was like, yes, was some sort of I'm on the spot now. And it's almost like, it's almost like making that call is like a public Facebook profile post, you know, where yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. No, but I hear that from a lot of my clients actually. And in, in relation to dating, you know, they'll say just the, you know, the thought of reaching out to a guy or, you know, a guy approaching a girl, like they, they it's that, that feeling of being put on the spot and then possibly being rejected or saying the wrong thing. You know, it's, it's, you start getting in your head about how it'll impact you. You get ahead of it almost. Yeah. And, and yeah. the irony is, is that, that, uh, that was sort of what I felt, but <laughs> when you bring up the dating thing, I yeah. was pretty much, it was pretty much that, this is the part that sounds crazy to me, 
but it was pretty much on the same level of my lack of comfort in calling a girl and, you know, and, and approaching the idea of a date or just expressing my interest. It was pretty much on par with the pizza call. <laughs> so yeah, it seems weird to me, but, but yeah, so that's, I mean, so that was one of the things that I found was outside my comfort zone. Uh, mm -hmm. Calling a girl and asking her on a date was outside my comfort zone too. Um, there were all kinds of things that were outside of my comfort zone that today are so in my comfort zone and it blows my mind how I was able to expand it. But that little exercise was a big part of it because what I did was I figured out what was inside my comfort zone. And then I said, what's just outside of it. And then what's way outside of it. And the way outside of this would be like performing stand-up comedy or improv or jumping out mm -hmm. of a plane, all things that, you know, that since then I've been able to do, but at the time were way outside my comfort zone. And I'll tell you what I did, Kim, this was the second step to that. So first it was writing it out. Right. Then it was listing which ones were out, which ones are inside. Mm -hmm. And then the third component of that was now what baby steps can I take to get closer to this main goal that's outside my comfort zone? What baby steps can I take? And then, you know, how can I start taking them? So as an example, if I go to something big like stand-up comedy, the baby steps could be as simple as reaching out to other comics, going to a comedy club and interviewing comics, oh, going to a comedy it. club and watching comics, could be reading a book about comedy. So these are all baby steps that weren't that big of a thing to me. But mm -hmm. if I did enough of them, then eventually taking the big step to mm -hmm. comedy, I'd have the confidence, this is how I felt, I would have the confidence to get on the stage because I've already done 45 things, let's say, that got mm -hmm. me closer to it. And also, uh, as I was achieving these, I would give myself baby rewards for every one of them. So then Ooh, I felt like, now like I want that. the bigger reward when I get onto the stage. Like, So all the little rewards could be, okay, well, I'm, I'm working out all the time. I don't normally eat ice cream. If I go grab a book at Chapters or Barnes & Noble on comedy, then I'll buy myself a uh, double ice cream this weekend. Or if it was something, yeah. you know, it could be something bigger than that. But then the last part would be now I'm ready to get on the stage. I've done all the little steps. If I take big, this big step, I will book myself a trip to Orlando for a week. And that's what I did. I kind of rewarded myself because I've discovered that as humans, we want the rewards. Once we start yes. getting them, we want more. So that was, that was how I did it. That was kind of the, the visual of how I did it. Oh my God, that's brilliant. This, you know, it's funny because I actually was having a conversation with my client the other day who's so scared of flirting, right? And so it was like similar to what you're saying. She just kept getting in her head, like if she drew that circle, and I wish I knew about that exercise because that's brilliant. I hope everyone's writing that down. That was definitely outside of the circle of her comfort zone. And, I, you know, and the problem with some of this stuff, when you get in your head about it and you get anxious, it's usually because it's way bigger in your head than it is in reality. And so people kind of overshoot themselves. And so then they get ahead of it. And so what you're saying is so great is, you know, taking those baby steps, the small steps towards the bigger change is what I had her do. So she thought she had to be like Marilyn Monroe tomorrow. I'm like, no, you know what? First of all, nobody even, I think, acts like Marilyn Monroe or twirls the hair like you see in the movies. I said, but could you just practice making eye contact and smiling every single day that you go to the market? And that's where I had her start, you know, and it's like, you know, working towards that. And, and, and the fact of you just giving yourself rewards to help you, you know, self-motivate. I, I love, love, love that. Cause I mean, I think that people almost, I don't know, they, they feel like they're going to fail anyway. So they give up and they don't do these things. So I, I just wondered like for you, 
did it not work sometimes? And then like, did you have bad days and how did you get back into this stuff? So, yeah. So of course, uh, absolutely. There's days where it didn't work and yeah. uh, there's, and, and you know, and there were certainly struggles with even the days that it did work. So, mm. and, and again, I was really Kim trying to do this for more than one thing too. It wasn't just getting comfortable getting on a stage. It was, how can I expand my comfort zone in general? So yeah. that I, here's one thing I did know from interviewing so many high achievers, even like, even when I first started, I interviewed high achievers before I got on the stage. And one thing I did know is that most of them had found their biggest joys and biggest successes just outside their comfort zone. So I had a why that was really big. And I always believe if you can find the why, mm -hmm. then the how will work itself out. And so <laughs> I had a big why. And, and the why for me was that I knew for me to become a bigger version of me, a better version of me, I had to be willing to get outside my comfort zone and I had to practice doing that. So uh, certainly there were days when it didn't work. There were days when it worked, but it, it, didn't, it didn't work in my favor. As an example, as a musician, that was another thing I started as a kid. I wrote songs at 12 years of age, but I was never comfortable singing in front of people. And I worked my way up to doing that for years. Wow. And well, friends, I had a girlfriend one time tell me, stop playing the guitar. You're hurting my ears. And she said, I'm telling you, if you do, just let me know ahead of time so we can end this whole relationship up so I don't get embarrassed by you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, that, so that obviously put me back in a shell. And, and so, you know, all these years leading up to me performing on stages, I, I had a lot of, you know, bad I'm going to say bad experiences, you know, the get up, getting up on a stage and then uh, your amp's not working. So all of a sudden there's no music coming out or your mic doesn't work. So mm -hmm. yeah, I had all kinds of those experiences, but what kept driving me again was the why, you know, I knew, mm. I knew. So in that case, um, I'm not, a, I'm not a believer in revenge, but I am a believer on, you know what? I, this person drive, this person is the driver because they said I couldn't do something and I want to prove to myself that they're wrong. Not to, not to put it in their face or not to, for revenge. Just for me, it was just that driver. Just like yeah. a, a principal says that you'll never mount anything. That, I wanted to prove that wrong. So uh, that became a driver. So that was my why. And that drove me. And then somebody said, you should you know, send her a message and send her your latest CD or send her your video or stuff like that. And I said, I don't need to. You know, I already had the, for me, I already had the win. I had the personal satisfaction of it. So, uh, so for me, yeah, there were a lot of bad days. There were days like that where I was trying mm -hmm. to get inside my comfort zone. And then people would say, Ooh, I don't know. That song doesn't sound too good. Or they'd laugh at me singing, thinking it was a joke. And so yeah. I had those days for sure. Yeah, no, I love that. Find your why, find your purpose, find your goal. And because, you know, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what other people think or feel. It's, it's about what you want and what you're going after and whoever's right for you and whatever opportunity is going to be for you is going to happen. And the ones that are not right for you won't. I mean, that's simply put, I mean, it's easier said than done when you're, you know, in that state of anxiety. So having that sense of purpose and motivation, I think is brilliant. It's so key. So, I mean, and you actually, I mean, what's so fascinating is like you took it like, to the nth degree, <laughs> like here you are this TEDx expert speaker and you did improv and you're a musician, like you did everything, everything that was like outside that comfort zone. That's yeah. incredible. Well, I mean, it's funny because for me, so I have 
like all people, I have specific fears, like fear of heights is one of my big fears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I said, you know what, there's one way to, uh, and, and by the way, it didn't make the fear go away. I should add that in, but I thought there's one way to tackle this one head on. I'm going to jump out of a plane. And here's oh the part, part that's interesting is that that's, I think most people, they put that in their bucket list and say, and or say, I could never do that. I don't know how you did that. The yeah. weird part for me is once I did stand-up comedy, and I don't know what this says about stand-up comedy, but once I did stand-up comedy, the jumping into the plane, which I did after that, seemed less difficult than I thought it was going to be. That's the best way I can say it. It wasn't as mm-hmm. intense. And in fact, what was a bigger thing for me is I went surfing and I can't swim. And I went surfing and that was a massive fear. And that one, you know, that one didn't go as well as planned either. So, <laughs> and, and it's important those ones go as planned. I mean, thankfully the skydiving went as planned. Um, but the, the surfing, you know, that right. was another one that was really big. But what's interesting to me, and this, there's a reason I'm saying this, is how we put these things on our bucket list because they seem so grandiose and sexy, like jumping out of a plane and whatever that could be surfing, even if you can swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the interesting part I've discovered, Kim, is that for me now, and I did a talk on this a while back, if I were to recreate my bucket list, because those mm-hmm. things were on it, mm-hmm. I, I now know that a lot of these things that we all think should be on a bucket list don't mean that much to me anymore. So mm-hmm. and when I say that, what I mean is that I realized they weren't my bucket list in the first place. They were society's bucket list because I watched oh, the movie. Oh, yes. And then pe- I see this movie and then people say, oh, well, you got to want to jump out of a plane. And a little super quick backstory as to how this came to light was I did a talk for the ALS Society mm-hmm. and they approached me about because they were doing this bucket list night and they went actually discovered me somehow on social media as this person that jumped out of a plane, did stand up and said, can you come in and talk about bucket lists? And I struggled with it for like a month because I had this bucket list talk, talking about those adventures. But I had to ask myself, because I realized some people in the room with ALS would never be able to jump out of a plane. It would never physically happen. But Mm -hmm. I thought, how wrong is it of me to go in there and assume that that's their bucket list item because society says it should be. And so I ripped up my bucket list and I started from scratch and said, what would I truly put on it, knowing what I know now? And the things I would put on it are... um, having, you know, having another, uh, my grandfather passed away years ago and he raised me like a son. And I, I would rather on my bucket list, I would love to have one more night with him playing coffee, you know, and uh. hanging out. Uh, so, I mean, those are the kind of things I would put on that list now, if I could say, this is the one thing I want to do before I die. And so I realized the jumping out of a plane and all these big fears uh, weren't what it was all about. And so to bring this all kind of full circle, I have done a lot of those things that people say, wow, I can't believe you've done that. I could never do that. But what I've discovered is maybe sometimes we should really reflect on if we even want to do it or is mm-hmm. it just that everybody tells us we should want to do it. And I think sometimes we can find, you know, the better version of ourselves and a better version of our bucket list in that reflection. Corey, that's brilliant. And what's authentically you. And I think that's so key is that, of course, you're going to be more anxious about things that aren't authentically something that you want to do. And so like you're trying to do something that other people think and feel are right because it's supposed to happen. My God, that reminds me, there was this woman I was working with and um, I love this story because I really, I really kind of like pushed her in her own value system and limits because she grew up in a very like Christian home and 
the values that were set upon her and the bucket list, as you call it, um, that was set upon her was that she was supposed to have a relationship, get married and have babies. Well, I mean, she was like a 45-year-old woman when she came to me and she was even in a program that was working on relationship-oriented type of goals where, you know, it was like finding your soulmate kind of thing. Well, it was very clear to me when, you know, we started getting into it. This woman really, she was not at the like place where she wanted to find a soulmate, but she was getting more and more anxious about that goal because here's the thing, she never had sex. And so I, 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 I just asked her, I said, what is it that you really want? Like if you really dig deep and you really want, she's like, I'm scared to say it. I said, say it, have your voice, right? <laughs> be seen, be heard. And she's like, I just want to have sex. <laughs> and so, I mean, no, and it was like this aha breakthrough moment, right? And I, and I said, wow, how did that feel to just say that right now? She's like, oh my God, it secretly feels really good, you know? And what, what she really realized is that she just wanted experience. She wanted to date and she wanted to have sex. She didn't want her, her soulmate yet. You know, she wasn't there. And the minute she let that go, my God, this woman was like off to the races and she was dating up a storm. And yes, I'm happy to say she did have sex while I was coaching her um, safely, of course. And, but, but to your point, that was so crucial to her journey and getting over her anxiety about all this dating stuff. So I, I, I love all the stuff that you're saying. I mean, I don't know if there's any like last minute kind of, um, messages you want to give to the audience. I mean, you've said so many juicy things and I want to recap all your tips because they were really great. I think, you know, what I would tell people and I, you know, this one here, Kim, it's a struggle because I used to always say, find your passion, but what yeah. I found and you know, having a show dedicated to it, I found that there's a lot of kickback now to this word passion because mm -hmm. people feel it's almost like, almost like people are saying to them, if you can't find your passion, there's something wrong with you. Or if you don't find your passion, you can't have a full life. And so people are sort of kicking back against the word. So I've kind of adjusted slightly and, and went more with the direction of purpose because I do believe they're different. I think passion is what you're doing. Purpose is why you're doing it. So mm. go back to that why. But what I found is that people that are living on purpose, so living their own purpose, are more fulfilled. They bring more to the table. They're, people want to be around them because they're, you know, they're, more, they're happier. And they, as the, if you want a health benefit, I found they're not sick as often. Uh, but, but the point is, is that, so what I would tell people, and the point of it is, you need to find your purpose. If you haven't found it yet, and, and I don't mean like going on an exhaustive search. Uh, what I, I mean just simply, you need to at least be open to it finding you. Uh, in, in a perfect world, maybe you will take those steps, like I mentioned earlier. And, uh, and, and if you do that, if you figure out what's inside and what's inside your comfort zone, take some baby steps, reward yourself, you might just happen to happy accident into your purpose. And, mm -hmm. and the cool thing is you're doing stuff that's fun anyway. You know, like I, I was doing yoga during that journey and, and, you know, the jumping out of a plane, I mean, it's a cool story, you know, and, and playing music on stages. I got to share the bill with some really cool musicians I wouldn't have got to do if I didn't step outside. Even in the relationship end, I wouldn't have probably met the girl who I feel is my soulmate now had I not taken some of those steps. So, so my point is, is that go on adventures, great. Yes, absolutely do that. But I think the biggest thing is figure out what your purpose is. It might not happen this week or this month. And I'm not saying it's going to happen in a year. Uh, it may happen quickly. It may not. But I think it's worth the effort because 
I feel a lot of the other dots will line up once you are living your purpose. Oh, uh, yes. And you even outlined all your tips for me, so I don't even have to. <laughs> and that's how we roll. I love it. No, and, and I think what you're saying too, just to kind of put a button on it, is that you really, you know, starting small can add up to the bigger wins. And I think that also gives people more validation, more motivation to keep going and build on that confidence and build on, you know, becoming what they want to be, that purpose that you talk about. And, you know, when you don't overshoot it or you don't like, you know, try to create something that other people want you to do and you really, you know, figure out what it is that you can do right here, right now, it becomes so much easier. So thank you so much, Corey. Where can everyone find you? And is, don't you have like a cool book out? <laughs> uh, so I, I guess, you know, one thing I'll add, cause you know, I'm all, yeah. I'm a big believer on giving people takeaways that they can jump on right away. Mm -hmm. So where we did, I know we went into a lot of detail about the, how to crush your fears and step outside your comfort zone. Yeah. But if people want to watch my TEDx talk on that, cause that, I cover that in an 18 minute TEDx talk. Uh, if people want to watch that, they can literally go to YouTube or Google and type in Corey Poirier TEDx and they'll see which one of the, the talks it is. Uh, but that's one way people can dive in even further, just in case I left nice. something out. Uh, in terms of connecting with me further, probably the hub, if you will, is thatspeakerguy.com. So again, thatspeakerguy.com. It's pretty easy domain to remember. And on there, there are links to uh, the book, I think, that we chatted about. So uh, mm -hmm. the book of why and how is one of them. And that book, I go into how to, how to actually find your purpose. So what I was talking about a minute ago, the book kind of takes you through that. And then uh, my more recent book is the book of public speaking. So those are the two latest books. Uh, I believe they're both on that website. Uh, if not, the second one will be shortly. And then my TEDx talks are actually there if you want to save a trip to YouTube or Google. Uh, and then also uh, all the other things I have in the works are there too. So it's kind of the hub. People can connect with me on social media through there. It's usually where I send people for sort of Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't think people are going to have a hard time finding you, Corey. You're all over the place. But again, we'll definitely have your name and everything there in the show description. So again, thank you so much for joining me today. It was, it was really great. And this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. We talked about that a lot today. And make sure you go to my site, seltzerstyle.com for lots of goodies. And if you're looking to break out of your shell, if this is you that we've been talking about and practice being seen and heard with a group of fabulous women, come and check out my new Facebook private group called Love Makeover Insiders. And yes, it's a safe environment to practice that stuff. You'll just click the link you'll see here in the show description and stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.